are Kreusel. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the CC4 Museum of Welsh Cricket Podcasts. I'm Stephen Hedges. This week we bring you an interview with the dressing room attendant. Roger Skirm has fulfilled the duties of that job role and a lot more besides for over 20 years at Glamorgan. I met him at his home recently in Mumbles to reflect on his life in sport and especially his years with Glamorgan County Cricket Club. Right then, Roger, let's go way back. Let's let's go back to your early years. Um, tell us a little bit about you growing up. I understand you had quite a difficult start in life. I did, Steve, yes. My father came back from the war um, and I was part of the, what they call now the baby bulge. I was born in Lydia Bynan Hospital, which is now the Celtic Manor Resort in Newport, a hospital for difficult births. My mother was 42 um, and uh, I was just over £2 when I was born. Apparently I should not have survived, but obviously I did. My three sisters, who were 14, 16 and 18 years of age, dressed me in doll's clothes for the first few months, by all accounts. I do remember when I was about six or seven, just about able to take things in realistically, the doctor in the um, surgery telling my mother when I was there, you do realise, Mrs. Skirm, that Roger will never do any sport. It didn't register with me at that time, but obviously um, most of my life has been made up of um, football and cricket. Uh, so um, doctors are not always right. So I survived that, and obviously football and rugby and cricket has played a big part in my life ever since. Tell us a little bit about your playing career. How far did you go with your football? Um, I played local football. In, 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 in Combran, in Newport District League. I then um, actually played for Combran Town in the what was then the Gwent Senior League. I actually captained Combran Town at 16. The, the players had a, had a vote who would be captain. They were much older than me, obviously, but I was probably the fittest, and they voted me as captain. So I captained Combran Town in the Gwent Senior League. We actually won the Gwent Senior League Cup. I worked at Langwyn Steelworks for four years. I didn't go straight to university from school. Langwyn was, was, was built then. Combran, where I lived, was a little village when I was born, but it became a big town simply because of the Langwyn Steelworks. I picked up a job at Langwyn Steelworks. There were plenty of jobs going. The money was very good in those days as well. Um, and I actually played cricket for Langwyn Steelworks. And then when I went to university uh, later on, I used to come back to um, Langwyn Steelworks in the holidays to earn some money but I think they only wanted me for the cricket, because that's about all I did. I used to play on a Wednesday, play on a Saturday and play on a Sunday. I didn't think I was very good, but they seemed to think I was OK. Um, I was invited for a trial at Cardiff City. Plays what they call Coronation Park. It's not there now, it's where opposite Wendinian Park was. Um, I had a terrible game, to be honest, I must admit. Nothing nothing came of that. Um, I played in the Newport Youth side, Newport County Youth side. But then I decided, perhaps I was a little bit fed up in Landwurn, and I decided to go to university. I then went to Swansea, um, got a B.Ed. in Swansea. Uh, my first teaching job was in Hampshire. I stayed there for a year. But then I got a job back in Combran at Fairwater High School, where I taught for 24 years. And oddly enough, I, I played rugby for Combran for a couple of seasons. Uh, and I played hockey for Combran for, for two seasons. I actually scored a winning goal in the Welsh Cup final up at Telford. I was a reasonable sportsman without taking the heights in anything particularly. Um, before we drift away from your playing days, what, what position did you play? Well, oddly enough, I, I'm, I'm only about five foot eight, but I played centre half. At the time, when I was at Swansea, the best footballer I ever played against, this might surprise you, was Gareth Edwards. 
very, very quick, very elusive. We'd have a run, we'd be chasing for the ball, he'd be up the wing, I think I'd got him, and then he'd just accelerate away. He had a marvellous football brain. He could have been a professional footballer, I'm sure. I know he made a living at rugby, but I'm sure if he wanted to, he could have played a professional footballer as well. So you're teaching in Newport. When does the idea of doing something a bit more significant in the footballing world come around? Teaching was in, in Cumbran, at Fairwell High School in Cumbran. There was no football in the school. Fairly typical of, of Welsh schools, unfortunately. It was all rugby. You wouldn't get away with it now, but um, there was very little. Well, there was no football, basically, in, in school. When I was in school, and even when I was teaching uh, at the age of 25. So I started doing the school teams in every year group, and became quite successful, and then started the Torvain area. They played in the Welsh schools area competitions. Then I managed the Gwent schools under 16s and under 18s. And as a result of that, I became a selector for the Welsh team. Um, and eventually, over a period of time, managed the Welsh under 18 team for eight years. During which time I also was involved with the FAW under 17 team. That's the, the pro players, the pro academy players, with Jimmy Shoulder. No, I don't know that name. Tell me a little bit about Jimmy. Jimmy was uh, played for Sunderland, very, very good player, a good coach individually. He, he was very good with individuals. I wouldn't say they have been unkind. He was the greatest in terms of team um, organisation and motivation. He used to leave that to me very often. Did you have a coaching philosophy, a, a way of approaching things? I think my, my main attribute in terms of football coaching, Steve, was, was I had a... I managed to get a rapport with players. The people I worked with at Newport County and in Wales were probably better coaches than I was, but the boys used to play for me. I always thought that if you can't get them to play for you, no matter how good they are, they probably won't succeed. When does Newport County come calling and asking for your help? <laughs> right. I managed to finish teaching at 50, and I was reasonably happy to go. An opportunity came to um, work at the Newport County Academy. It wasn't in existence then. There was talk of um, starting an academy, and along with an ex-pro goalkeeper with Newport County and Bristol Rovers, Glyn Jones, we actually started the Newport County Academy. It was based at Hartridge School. They did the education side of it. Glyn and I did the football side of it. So I was youth team manager at Newport for 14 years having been at, at one stage the reserve team manager when we almost went out of business. That came along through a very well-known Glamorgan figure called Graham Reynolds. Graham was an ex-Glamorgan first-team player, probably better known for captain in the second team. But Graham played for Newport County, played for the Welsh Amateur team in football. Uh, a real character, a real character, a major person in my, in my, uh, in my life. He sort of took me under his wing, I think, once he realised I wasn't bad at this coaching lack and, and so on. He said, I got just a job for you. He was working for Tottenham as a scout. And I took over from him and Newport County. And then later on, when I finished teaching, he said to me exactly the same thing again. I got just a job for you. And it was the job that I now do at Glamorgan. So Graham was quite influential in both my football and my, uh, my cricketing exploits. So before Glamorgan... There was also a little bit of a, uh, a journey you took towards London. Do you want to tell us about the scouting yes. jobs that you got? 
Yeah, when I was at Newport County, um, we had a goalkeeper called Roger Freestone, would be well known to a lot of sports people in, in this part of the world. He's a bit of a legend at Swansea City, to be fair. He came from Chelsea to, to Swansea. But he was transferred from Newport County. Well, the, Chelsea were watching him. And he came to Chelsea from Newport. He played for me for Gwent and things. When he went to Chelsea, I think what happened was they asked if there was anybody in, in South Wales who could do a bit of scouting for them and Roger obviously meant well Roger must have mentioned me um, and I had a phone call then from Chelsea that I fancy doing a bit of scouting for, for Chelsea. It was interesting the fact I was with the Wales under 18s helped a lot. Uh, Michael Owen for instance I talked to to Chelsea they, he didn't sign for Chelsea but Glenn Hoddle that was manager at the time and um, him and Graham Ricks really fancied him but I think Michael was always going to go to to Liverpool. I worked there for 10 years. When uh, then when Abramovich came and the money came, it became more difficult um, to get players from South Wales good enough for Chelsea when they were able to buy players literally from all over the world. So I had really 10 happy years at Chelsea, going to something like I think it was five cup finals. My wife and I went to about five cup finals. Uh, the chief scout at the time, a fellow called Bernie Dixon, who uh, you know, works for the English FA, asked if I fancied going to Fulham because it was getting more difficult to get players up to Chelsea. So I said, OK, yeah, uh, I, I was getting a little bit depressed, not finding players good enough. So I went to, to Fulham and I was there for four years and uh, found a few few players there. Uh, Roy Hodgson was manager and then Chris Coleman took over. Before we talk about the job offer that came along for Glamorgan. Mm. Tell us a little bit about growing up and loving watching Glamorgan. It being cricket being your yeah. summer sport. Who were the who were the players that you remember? What was the yeah. the cricket you remember? Um, I remember first going at about eight years of age. Used to catch a bus from our house in Cumbran, which is right opposite the bus stop. As it happened, got a bus to Newport, the train from Newport to Cardiff. Played it, watched cricket, Glamorgan from the Old Arms Park, sitting on old wooden benches. Used to come out of the what was the back of the Cardiff Arms Park rugby stand. The players I used to admire then, Parkhouse and Hedges, Jim Presdy, Will Fuller was always a rather frightening figure, even, even for the supporters, Alan Watkins, people like that. Um, they were all players that I didn't know personally, but they were just you know, Morgan players, they were heroes to me. Um, but they were the players that had that team, um, later on Ozzy Wheatley and people like that, Tony Lewis. Um, I remember Peter Walker, but all players that I, I looked up to and admired. You know, Glamorgan was my England, really. That was my summer, basically. So when you get the opportunity to work at Glamorgan, that must have been quite, um, quite an exciting offer for you. I do think I've been very lucky in life. My two major loves, as I've said, was Newport County and Glamorgan cricket. And I like to think I've had a, a well, not a major part, but certainly a part to plays in both of them. So... Tell me about the job. What was the job offer? The job he, the job came around. He said, I got just a job for you. And it was the, the dressing room attendant at Glamorgan. I knew what the job was in the old Sophia Gardens before it was updated. The old changing rooms were, were fairly old. There was a stairway up for the home changing room, a stairway up for the away changing room. And the dressing room attendant basically sat on a chair in a white coat and stopped anybody who shouldn't be going up the stairs, going up the stairs. Um, I took the job. The first uh, coach uh, was Jeff Hammond. Matt Maynard was, was the captain. And I think Matt Elliott was the overseas player. Duncan Fletcher had just left. Hugh Morris had gone on to Lords. 
uh, the, the job I do now is, is a lot more than I did in those days because I've got more used to it. I'm, I'm accepted more. I've got more without. I've got more clout, if you like, now than I had in those days. I was a novice at it then. So, what have you added to the job description over the years? <laughs> it's, it's a long. It's a long day. Uh, I, I now live in Mumbles. Uh, have done for six and a half years, which elongates my day by about an hour and a half, travelling-wise, between Mumbles and Cardiff every day, whereas I used to come from Combran. So I leave the house about 20 past six um, to get to the ground for about 7.30. Excluding the current situation and the COVID, because it has changed dramatically because of COVID, but prior to COVID, um, I used to open the dressing rooms in the morning. I always like to get there by about half past seven, the first players arrive about half past eight, usually the coaches, captain, they are normally the first in. Other players arrive about nine o'clock. They then have breakfast um, in the players' dining room. So I like to be there and set everything up before the first people arrive. So I make sure all of what, and I do it for both home team, the away team, and the match officials. So I've got to make sure that the match balls there, there are spare balls there, the umpires' walkie-talkies are all there. Um, there's towels for every player, both teams and the umpires. There's water for all of them, um, and the place is generally open and ready for for their for their day to begin. Basically, I have the I do the tickets for them, uh, the complimentary tickets. Take those over to the ticket office, that sort of thing. Basically, then I'm at their beck and call. I work closely with the oper- cricket operations department, so when they want things signed, shirts signed, autograph sheets signed, requests from various people for different things from players, um, I, will, I will sort of do that sort of thing. Sometimes the players want things, expense forms taken in or expense forms signed. Often want spare kit or new kit, which they sometimes are afraid to ask cricket operations for, so they go through me. And it's that, that sort of thing. I can walk miles in a day simply taking tickets back and forth. When the game is finished, I've got another hour's work to do probably before I go. So I very rarely leave the ground till about 8 o'clock. Having been there since half past 7, having left the house at 20 past 6, I'm normally home at about 9 o'clock. It takes most of the day to, to wash and dry the towels in the course of a day, so my room is often like a sauna. So if you want to lose weight, come in my room for a day, you'll be okay. What about international days, Roger? Is your oh, yeah. Um... International days are very, very hectic. I suppose that's the, the real glamour side of it. Uh, you're in the dressing room with England, you're in the dressing room with Australia, whoever it might be. Again, the same principle. I look after both teams and the match officials. Um, I do have an assistant for that. There's too much to do in the two changing rooms. I'm always making sure everything is, is neat and tidy. All the waste bins are in. When they're full, I've replaced them. Things like that. They, they're menial tasks in a way, but it's surprising how time-consuming it is and how tiring it is to do everything that needs to be done, especially for internationals. No matter, I, I, I usually, I always go the day before, make sure everything's set up. Um, they normally want a tea and coffee table and nibbles, as they call it, in the dressing room, the, the away teams, the foreign teams usually. So that's got to be set up uh, the night before, then the tea and all is brought in on the day, well before they come in. I normally, on international days, I'm normally in the ground by about half past six. Within about half an hour of the game starting, they will want something that you haven't got. You know, things like toasters and television sets and things like that. You know, you're with, 
shoulder to shoulder with most of the best cricketers in the world over the times I've been at Glamorgan. So everybody listening to the podcast will be desperate for me to ask, tell me some stories about some of these great cricketers <laughs> that you've met. Who are the, who are the ones that uh, stick out for you and, and why do they stick out? My favourite cricketer, actually lucky enough to play for us for, for a short while, is Brendan McCullum. Brendan was a superb player for us, superb on the field, superb off it. I got on very, very well with Brendan McCullum. I, I would like to think he's probably a major force still in, in certainly New Zealand cricket, if not world cricket. He revolutionised the way cricket was played, I think, as did other people. But Brendan had that up and at them, you know, less attack, attack, attack kind of system. He's very good at it. But I also note, noticed that Kane Williamson is very, very similar. It's taken over from Brendan now. And he's another super guy. I've got loads of memorabilia memorabilia in the house given me by some very famous cricketers. Simply thank you for doing what I've done. I'm, I think I'm the only Glamorgan person mentioned in Freddie Flintoff's autobiography because of the first test match we had there. And he was very complimentary about the way we look out and look after them. Um, simple as that, really. There was a story um, that would interest you. I had Virat Kohli scored 160-odd in one inning in the first innings and 58 in the other against England. I think it was 2017. He came. He won one of the match award. He did an interview down on the down on the pitch for television. Was presented with this big magnum of Bowie Shandor champagne. He came back up to the dressing room area. He found me out. I was at the end of the corridor as it happened. But he, he found me out. He came down to me and he said, "Thanks very much. This is for you." So there's something there from probably at the time the greatest trigger in the world. Um, so things like that do... Have you drunk it yet? I, <laughs> I drank it um, on the birth of my grandson, yeah, to be fair. Anyone visiting your house, Roger, will will see how much you love the game because there are various kind of mementos and artefacts on the walls and so on. I want to ask you about two players who I think are very uh, made a real big impression on you. First one's Alex Stewart. Can you tell me about him? I'm very methodical uh, in, in what I do, whether it's football coaching, whether I'm organising the, the boys in cricket. Now, Alex Stewart was totally orderly, totally methodical in both his, his batting and the way he conducted himself around the, the changing room and the way he set his kit out. And I always say to the boys, the tidiest people in and around the changing room are usually the better players. I wasn't a big fan of Surrey several years ago. But when, when Alex Stewart took over as director of cricket, Surrey then became, and I'm sure because Alex was the way he was dealing with it, was probably one of my favourite teams. The other player I wanted to ask you about, Steve James. Steve James, opening back when I, when I came there, very, very orderly cricketer again, and obviously very intelligent, Cambridge University. He used to worry quite a bit about his batting, I, I would say, uh, if he wasn't uh, scoring runs, but he very rarely did he fail. You know, uh, I mentioned Parkhouse and Hedges was the opening partnership when I was a youngster watching Glamorgan. They'd be, they'd be my opening sort of pair. Um, when I first started later on, well, Hugh Morris wasn't there when I when I was working there, but Hugh Morris and Steve James was again on, on a par with Parkhouse and Hedges. And Steve captain Glamorgan while I was there, and very good captain he was as well. Obviously, there's a lot of writing now, Um and again, I've got all his books, and I find them very, very interesting. But a very, very intelligent um, cricketer. Was good with the senior players, but also good with the younger ones. Should have played more games for England, probably. Yeah, really down-to-earth guy. 
another name that's popped into my head um, because you, I know you've mentioned it before to me, Joe Root, recently uh, a guest down yeah, at Sapphire Joe. Gardens. Yeah, Joe was a really smash. Well, he's a smashing guy. Um, first time I saw Joe, I thought he was about twelve or thirteen. He looked like he didn't look any older than that. Playing for Yorkshire. Obviously came on in um, leaps and bounds, um, and now now captain of England. Uh, but always, always very pleasant, very polite. Always asked how I was, how the family was. Only last week when we were playing Yorkshire, I was standing, looking at the, on a, outside the the, um, the dressing room there, looking at, at the ground. There was nothing on. The players were warming up, and this big thump on my shoulder. Uh, Rog, how are you? I hope you're all okay. And it was Joe Root, big smile on his face. Uh, would have been a big hug. I'd be allowed to do it, but we're not. And always, always very, very polite, Joe. Um, as is Billy, his brother. You have mentioned before uh, a little story about that, that kind of demonstrates how your role has changed and, and perhaps kind of uh, beyond recognition. Uh, somebody coming to find you, a young lady at reception or something? Do you remember? <laughs> yeah, um... Yes, I was on, when we, when we, when we had the COVID, I, I was on furlough. I was put on furlough by the ground, to be fair, by the club. I had to send this form back, signed and so on, to see who I was and things. And this lady was in reception, um, asking the receptionist, Derek, um, could I get Mark Walton, who was the fielding coach? And uh, I came down the stairs, as it happened, and, and Derek on reception said, Oh, Rog, can you find Mark Walton for me? And the lady looked up, she said, Ah, you are Roger. I said, Yes, I understand you do everything in this ground. <laughs> you were in charge over here. I said, I don't think I'm in charge over here. I do quite a bit, but I'm not in charge. But that was obviously the impression she had. Obviously not from me, because I didn't know her. Um, but I think that the people over in the office, you know, the catering people, the ticketing people, do appreciate perhaps what I, what I do altogether. And that was quite nice. You know, that, that that was a compliment to me. My job is made easier, Steve, because of those people. Cricket operations people do a fantastic job. People like Dan Cherry, Katie Allett are all, all really good. The ticketing people are really good. If I need a few tickets for whatever, you know, they normally manage it. If I want some more tickets for the away team or even our team at times, uh, they're all very good. If I need anything from either from our team or from the opposition, no matter how strange it might be, normally... I know somebody that will have, or likely to have it, and I will be given it. And that makes my job so much easier. You said earlier you you felt very lucky to have uh, found work in the two sports that you really love, uh, football and, and cricket. Looking back now on, on your time with Glamorgan and, uh, and indeed going further back to your time with uh, Fulham and Chelsea and Newport County, what are the things that stick with you? What abiding memories will you have of your kind of life in sport? Being in the Chelsea dressing room for some league games, going to the cup finals with Chelsea, being at the dinners, you know, with Chelsea in the evening, sitting on a table with some of the players, some of the supporters who were well known in their own right. Suggs from Madness, I was on a table with him for one, one dinner. Uh, Richard Attenborough was a mad Chelsea supporter. I did a dinner with him, not sitting with him, but he was in the dinner. Those would stand out in terms of football, I suppose. Newport County, well, again, similar thing, lower level altogether. Nationwide conference for a lot of times, Division 2 for a lot of the time, and never went higher than that with Newport County. But still, that was my club. I used to do, when I was scouting, I used to do the away team um, analysis 
with their plane somebody next week. I'd go up there, be sent up there and do a rundown on the opposition and do that sort of thing. And hopefully we get the results as a result of that. We didn't always do it, but that was the idea. Glamorgan, obviously, winning cups with Glamorgan, Colin Bay, things like that. Canterbury, I wasn't actually at the club in Canterbury, but I was Colin Bay. Getting to cup finals at Lords, Notts game, we didn't win, but I was Notts being a Lords dressing room on that balcony would be the highlights. I was only thinking the other day what a superb team we could make of our overseas players at Camorgan. You know, starting off people like Mike Kasovic and Matty Elliott, Jimmy Ma, South Africans like Jack Callis, Herschel Gibbs, Dale Stain, Brenda McCullum would be my favourite, as, as I've mentioned already, James Franklin, Darren Sammy. We've had some manners at the moment, and Michael Nessa looks to be a world beater as well. Uh, the overseas players we've had at Glamorgan, albeit a short time for some of them have really been you know outstanding and that's without going further back to magic Khan, that's right. Fred yeah Rabbi Shastri yeah um, yeah uh, Viv Richards and Wacko Viv Richards, Wack, yeah. I mean we've had some wow you know, when you actually think the overseas players Glamorgan have had you think blamey you know there's some players there I know you mentioned this right at the beginning but when you look back and think about that doctor and that conversation he had with your mum, saying <laughs> that Roger would never really get go far with sport, um, it must make you smile now to think that um, all these years later you've done so much with sport, personally and, and professionally. Yes, I, I say I, I, I've been very lucky, Steve. I've, I've had good health, uh, despite my start in life, surprisingly. And I've enjoyed all of it. You know, to be fair, you might do one or two things differently, possibly with hindsight, but that applies to anything in life, I suppose. But I, I really enjoyed my life at, uh, at uh, Newport County, Chelsea, Fulham. I had four years at Swansea. I, I haven't mentioned Swansea, which um, I really enjoyed. Uh, it's my hometown club now, and I still love Swansea, but I gave that up just over a year ago. Uh, I don't really miss it now, to be fair. My, my wife is an international trampoline judge. She's one of two in Wales. And she's been to places like um, Australia, Canada, Namibia, uh, Switzerland uh, with trampolining. I end up going to Ton Pentra on a Wednesday night. <laughs> so it's not, um, it's, it's, it's not as glamorous as people make it sound, but I really enjoyed my, my football and my cricket. Um, I wouldn't have changed any of it, really. Well, thanks, uh, Roger, for giving us your time and, uh, and your memories as well. Really appreciate coming on the podcast. That's okay. You've enjoyed it, Steve. Thanks very much. Many thanks to Roger for inviting us into his home and for sharing some of his memories with us. Next week, we go back in time to 1997. To help us remember that wonderful season for Glamorgan, we are bringing together Glamorgan's secretary at the time, Mike Fatkin, receptionist and administrator Joan Pocket, and, as he was in 1997, 12-year-old fan of the club, and now contributor to the podcast, Alan Rees-Chivers. They will discuss their memories of that championship winning season with TV and radio journalist Graham Lloyd, who will provide some illuminating detail from his book about the season, Daffodil Days. So join us again when we'll have the first of two Daffodil Days episodes and we'll be hearing more stories about the great game of cricket in the great country of Wales. Well, Val, bye for now.
Oes gyda chi stori yw'r hanni gyda ni? Mae croeseich i gysylltu. E-bosiwch mwcpod1921 at gmail.com Neu ewch i'n tudalen Facebook, Museum of Welsh Cricket Podcast. Neu i'n tudalen Twitter, at Welsh Cricket Pod. Do you have a story you'd like to share with us? If so, please contact email mwcpod1921 at gmail.com or go to our Facebook page, Museum of Welsh Cricket Podcast, or our Twitter, at Welsh Cricket Pod.